What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Coffee with a friend is like capturing joy in a cup. Welcome to the Coffee with Jenny B podcast, hosted by Jenny B, a lover of all things coffee. Each week, Jenny will chat about connecting over coffee, what brings her joy, and everything in between. A lot can happen over coffee, so grab a cup, sit back, and enjoy. Now, here's your host, Jenny B. Hello and welcome to the show. I have to admit, I'm really intrigued by certain labels on retail products. You know, wine, coffee, basically anything. If I like the look of the label or I like the name of the product, chances are I'll try it. And more than not, it actually lives up to the promise of what the name is. And sometimes it doesn't, but you take a chance and then you realize, okay, I really didn't like that product or I didn't like that wine, or I've never said no to any coffee. I mean, I have talked about my dislike of decaf and I know I've had a few roasters saying, you know, you should try my decaf. It's really good. Mm, No, it's okay. I'll, I'll stick to my dark roast. I know what I like. And anybody else who wants to try the decaf, go ahead and enjoy, but not for me. And one of the coffee roasters, speaking of which, I discovered, it was a couple of years ago, and it was Railway Roasters. Now, that sounded really intriguing. And I'm thinking, railway, railroad, what does that have to do with coffee? Well, my guest today is going to explain that. His name is Matthew Sieben, and he is the owner and roaster of Railway Roasters. So please help me welcome Matthew. Hey, Matthew. Good morning, Jenny. So nice to have you here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is cool. We've met once before in person. That's right. But we've, no, no, twice. Oh, yes, that's right. did a delivery at your place, and then we did the U of W exchange for the wonderful advent calendars. That's right. But we've actually met three times Uh-oh. because, yeah, <laughs> no, that's okay. You're right. You delivered to my house and that was during COVID. At Colossimo. Yes, that's right. At Colossimo's. That's right. Uh, you were helping Jay or not, not helping, but he was serving your coffee, which was great. And uh, yeah, so I got to actually meet you in person there as well. So yeah, but let's, yeah, let's set the record straight on the Jay connection. So Jay helped me out that day. He has, you know, certainly been a great resource for me and we can get into it, but this is part of a story that hasn't really been shared too much. But when I first got into roasting, I I messaged and I emailed every single coffee roaster listed in Manitoba. So not even just the city. And I reached out to everybody and there were really only three people that messaged me back. And Jay was one of them. 
And I'll shout out the other two guys because I, I love them too. But I got Chad up in Gimli and Al from Harrison's. So those three guys, you know, they messaged right away. Um, you know, maybe it was just the right time of day that they received the email. Um, but, you know, those three guys, even though I, I messaged them and we talk infrequently when we do, it it feels um, feels supported, feels like friendship. And when I wanted to do certain creative outlets and, you know, serve coffee in a certain manner, uh, those three were a little bit more forgiving in coming up with an application that worked. So Jay said, how about you come down to my shop and serve some coffee? I said, I would be a fool to say no to that. And then that's when I got to see your uh, smiling face come <laughs> through the doors. So I didn't realize that. So thank you for sharing that, Matthew. And you know, I'm not surprised, first of all, that Jay would be the one to reach out to you. And also Al, I mean, Al and Chad, I mean, a lot of the coffee roasters in Manitoba are wonderful and I'm not sure why they didn't reach out. It could have been a variety of reasons, but anyway, I love Jay. He like he and I connected, oh my gosh, I can't even remember how many years. And we we met the for the first time in co- for coffee and we just chatted and it was like we knew each other forever. And so he's just that kind of guy. And so I'm not surprised that he wanted to help you and and uh yeah, it was nice to see you at Colossimos and serving your coffee but uh yeah it's a small community isn't it totally and you know what i've tried to reconcile you know why i haven't got those replies back and for any roaster listening um if you search mcpen at railwayroasters.com and go find my email i'll still take a reply today i welcome it i think in the beginning it may have been interpreted as competition or something like that you know however the way I've really looked at coffee since being in the space is that for someone to drink anything other than large commercial roasters, you know, your Nabobs, your Nestle's, your Starbucks, your, your Timmy's, if they're drinking anything but that, that's a win. So being able to drink the Harrison's coffee, the Flatlanders, the Little Sisters, you know, the black pearls, whatever it is, every one of those coffees is not a Kirkland branded bag of coffee from Costco. And in my mind, that's a win because once you experience one coffee, very rarely are you going to say this is the new normal that's going to be stocked in my house. And that's religious. You know, from there, it just invites I would say more so discovery. And, you know, this is a coffee that was introduced to me. It had a different flavor. I had a feeling about it. Let's see what else is out there. So, you know, maybe they make their way to me. Maybe they don't. Maybe it invites or inspires them to check out the local coffee shop rather than going to the McDonald's drive-thru. And that's kind of the idea that I've kind of come come at it every single time. And what you say makes a lot of sense because you're right. When you try something, whether it's coffee, wine, chocolate, if it's produced at the local level and there's the care and attention that goes into the creation of that product, it's going to the source, you know, in terms of coffee, you know, you're, you're sourcing it directly from a farm, for instance, and whether you're not doing it directly or it's doing through, through a distributor, 
you still get to know who the farm is. You get to know, you know, the kind of coffee that you're getting. And so there's a lot of care and attention that goes into it. And then there's the care that goes into roasting the coffee based on your preference in terms of, you know, the kind of roast, whether it's dark, you know, which is my favorite, or, you know, you, you blend different ones. And so once you try something local and you realize just how good it is and not just how good it is, but just all the different complexities and the fact that you're supporting somebody, some local artisan, you know, you, you mentioned the Starbucks and the Nestle's and the whatever, there's no secret. I'm a Starbucks girl, even though I love supporting local, but wherever I am, I will go out of my way to support a local coffee shop or a local roaster. And so I love that you explained it in such a way that it's, it is important to support local and to really enjoy the fruits, so to speak, of, of that labor in terms of providing that product for you. Totally. And you know, when, when we went through uh, periods of lockdown through the last couple of years, you know, you do tend to forget that it's, it's community and neighborhood based. So when you can't bring in coffees from around the world and you're having to rely on just local supply, it's really cool to be able to say, Hey, I know that there's a coffee shop or whatever, but there's, it's even more special when you could say, I know the owner of that coffee shop and I can't wait to go see them and support them. And one other thing I wanted to correct too. So I do, I did start railway roasters um, and my team has grown since February, 2021. I have a wonderful uh, team member, Kyle Burchard. He helps me roast. So since 2021, he has done the majority of the roasting for railway roasters. It's been, um, so when you introduce me as the roaster, um, he is, I, I would identify him as the roaster and I help on, you know, say larger, unusual roasting requests. So if there needs to be a, a, a one, a two, a three in the morning roast, I don't ask him to do that. Um, but the, him and I certainly do all the tag teaming and that's been just an, uh, a fun, creative journey where him and I can now go back and forth and start discussing roasting to kind of help better each other and come up with something that's even more of a standout in the cup. Okay. Well, thank you for the clarification. I didn't realize that you had uh, Kyle working with you. And, and I think that's wonderful because you're sharing your knowledge and experience with someone who can then help you. And, and sometimes when we're entrepreneurs and we're like a one person show we're doing everything. So we're, we're doing the work for our product. We're trying to promote it, et cetera, et cetera. And so it, it can be a little bit overwhelming and some, somewhere along the way you have to drop something or you're not doing something as well as you could be doing. So having someone to help you in the business so that frees your time up to do other things in terms of, again, promoting your business, but what else then are you involved with when you're not doing all the roasting? When I'm not doing all the roasting, certainly if, if anyone's placed an order at railwayroasters.com slash shop, we do a weekly cutoff on Mondays and then every Wednesday I do the deliveries. So I'm not sure how long this will last for, but ever since April, 2020, I have more or less delivered a hundred percent of the bags, which has been pretty special. 
I say almost 100% because in the beginning, you know, a certain peak times, you can only deliver so many bags in an evening. And, you know, friends and family have definitely stepped up and helped, you know, provide, uh, you know, assistance in the delivery front. And, you know, certainly that that's a huge time commitment. But, you know, the friendships that I've been able to forge with the people that, you know, are on subscription uh, with with our brand, you know, there's some people that a 340 gram bag of coffee is delivered every single Wednesday. And then that's an opportunity for me to not only meet that person because they feel connected to the brand, but that's me in in meeting their significant others, their kids, uh, being able to be invited in for dinners while I'm doing the roasting. Like, it's really kind of crazy. A um, couple, maybe three weeks ago, one of my customers was just like, Please, my, my kids are out of town. My wife's out of town. Make my last stop the last stop of your delivery day and let's go for a run. I said, okay, let's do it. So um, it turned into a, a workout bond, right? So that's certainly a part of it. Um, you know, certainly the reach out, the cold calling, the sales side of the business is a continuation of just always kind of an ongoing. You're like always on in terms of uh, uh, responding to help grow and, and think creatively about how to get the brand out. And that might be a nice segue into, you know, taking new opportunities up with uh, respect to the MB Food Fest that is coming up in September, which is really exciting. So Railway Roasters is certainly a huge passion project of mine. Um, and it's supplemented by my regular day job. I work as a accounting and partnerships manager at Gustin Kwan. And that side of the business, one of the colleagues there, Carson, uh, his mom started MB Food Fest. So we drink railway in the office. This guy, Carson, you know, as we joke around, he's on the path. He drinks railway. You know, he's doing the right steps to succeed. And he comes home vibrating with excitement and says, you know what, you got to check out my mom's event at Beef Food Fest. And I haven't done too many festivals. I've done a couple of pop-ups, a couple of activations, per se. Um, and with this one geared at exactly what we were kind of holistically talking about beforehand of just MB food vendors, certainly there's probably people around that uh, event that I'll have already met or exchanged ideas with. So it'll be amazing to see them. And it's an opportunity for us to, again, to showcase our product on a more intimate one-on-one -on -one level with patrons as they're coming around sampling some of the goods. So, excuse me, September 17th, we're really excited to be able to participate in this event. Thank you for bringing up the um, MB Food Fest, you know, because Carson's mom, Sherry, is a friend of mine and Sherry and I met, I guess it would have been a couple of years ago through uh, made to grow group. And so we've connected and because Sherry's also very creative and she and I have been working on some, some of my own projects, including some coffee related ones, but I'm not surprised that, uh, you know, Carson wanted to tell his mom, it's like, Oh, you got to try this coffee. It's, it's absolutely wonderful. And, and then, you know, having you involved in the MB food fest. And so I think it's wonderful. And I, I was at the one last year 
I was actually representing Stone City Coffee Roasters. So, but unfortunately, Colleen couldn't make it because there were some uh, family uh, issues going on. And so I was there and I got to, you know, see how it was run in terms of vendors and, you know, all the sampling. But I know that every time you do something the first time, you get a chance to review it and think, okay, so how can we do this better next time? And so I'm excited to see what Sherry and, you know, her partner have created in terms of this this new version of the MB Food Fest. And I love it that it's at St. Norbert Arts Center because that's such a beautiful area. I've never been there. So is that the same thing as the farmer's market? I feel bad for airing that out loud that I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's okay because you're going to be there on the 17th. It's not necessarily involved with, with the market where it is, but it's a little past that. So, but it's, yeah, it's absolutely beautiful. And and I believe the art center is where uh, Shakespeare in the Ruins that's where they do their performances. And so I've been there. Yeah, I've been there and it's it's absolutely gorgeous. So I'm looking forward to to attending the uh, MB Food Fest. Now, how did you get started in the coffee roasting business? Did it happen all of a sudden you woke up one day and it's like, you know, I should roast coffee or was there a little bit more involved in that? Certainly wasn't, you know, awoken. Like I didn't just wake up from a dream and and, you know, gravitate to the first empty mug that I saw. Kind of a cool story. One of my childhood buddies was moving out to Victoria. So we drove him out there. And this, I don't even know what year it is, but I should probably get the year for future storytelling purposes. But we, we were driving through Calgary and I remember we were, we were talking to each other being like, where are we going to stay tonight? And one of the ideas was, I think I heard of this thing called Airbnb. And it was so new that we didn't know really what it was all about thinking out loud is this a place that we can just stay and they'll feed us like the the b&b portion of it so we show up to this house and this cute girl comes out and she's like hey yeah this is our place and you know you can stay here and we're like this is amazing but she says can you give us a couple of hours because you're going to be staying in my roommate's room and she just moved out and she took everything. So I actually am going to go buy a bed for you with my mom. So, you know, the evening takes place. The stay happens. It's awesome. And then in the morning, we, you know, we turn to her and we say, like, is, is, is there, like, breakfast? How does this work? She's like, no, but I'll take you to my favorite coffee shop. I said, okay, well, let's do it. So we hopped in her car. We went downtown Calgary. I went to a place called Fanel Sebastian. And that was the first time I've ever had a coffee that was made with intention. You know, that was the the purpose-driven introduction. I think sometimes too, thinking back, like was that the first amazing coffee I've ever had? No. But it was the first environment where you were set up with a singular focus on turn everything else off, focus on this cup of coffee and tell me what you think. You walk in and it was like this downtown location. They had a long boardroom. They actually had like self-portrait cartoon versions of the owners. If you've ever been there, I'll try and share the link because it was pretty special. And I left just saying, holy cow, this is awesome. And then like any other thing in my life and my fiance will attest to that. I kind of jump in with, all four limbs at whatever I'm passionate about. 
So then that just became, well, let's, let's get more coffee brewing devices. Let's try different coffee roasters. Let's start brewing at different temperatures and tweaking and different cups and vessels and thermoses and blah, blah, blah. So over the years that kind of started, you know, certainly uh, what to get Matthew for, you know, a gift or a, a celebration or something. And then that became like little coffee trinkets along the way. And that kind of just inspired kind of a, a lifelong interest in this, you know, black bean water soup that we call coffee, you know, and it wasn't until after I passed the CPA exam. So I'm an accountant by trade that, you know, I went on my own celebration tour slash bender. Um, and I decided to go down to Minneapolis and learn how to play around with coffee roasters at a place called Mill City Roasters. Have you heard of Mill City, Jenny? You have? Okay. Um, so Mill City, so Minneapolis is not only an amazing coffee hub, but their coffee roasting is a community in and of itself. They have huge coffee importers huge coffee infrastructure, I should say, in that city. So being able to drive down there, you know, it doesn't take very long to get there. And then once you're there, you know, you can get pretty vibrated going through coffee shop to coffee shop. So I made it a, a five-day trip. They did a, a roasting 101 course that I elected to sign up on. Their idea was, you know, it was a sensory course. So how to, how to look and experience coffee with a consistent vocabulary. Not to say this is how you taste coffee. This is the right or the wrong way of coffee. But when we say bitter, sweet, salty, savory, mouthfeel, watery, the coffee fell apart. Whenever you're using just basic descriptors, we want to be on the same page. So it wasn't about, ooh, this coffee's no good. It's describe the coffee. And if you can start describing the coffee accurately, then you're on to something special. And I think that's an important distinction with how we look at all coffees, that even the diner coffee that tastes like burnt popcorn and has incredible mouthfeel, if, if that's what was presented to you as what you're about to experience and you enjoyed exactly that, that in and of itself is a win, right? Where you get tricky is someone saying, this is going to be the fruitiest coffee you've ever had because that's what the bag says. And the person brewing it doesn't really know how to brew it and it ends up coming out like that smoky carbon burnt popcorn taste and that's a huge difference and then that's where your expectation your reality isn't met and you can kind of have that letting down period but i think if you're able to start you know being on the same wavelength that's what that course was and to go even one step further mill city imports their own machines and sells coffee roasting equipment so there was a portion of the course where we actually got to sit behind a roaster, learn the mechanics, learn their methodology of how they come about roasting. They also have an amazing uh, YouTube 
content creation education page that further inspired just more coffee nerdism to just, you know, watch hours and hours worth of content. And their team is awesome. So um, Steve Green and his team, um, I, I'm very appreciative of the friendships made at that coffee roastery. And even though I don't talk to them too much now, it probably speaks more so to the, the machine itself that I don't have to reach out for support anymore because it's it's up and running and there hasn't been any issues, knock on wood. Uh, but that's kind of what fully started that, you know, love and excitement for roasting to then come home to say, you know what, now that I'm not studying my CPA anymore, I have free time in the evenings. And what is, what is that? You know, so being able to now dedicate that time and attention and aim my focus towards something else, that was, you know, pretty special. And that just became, you know, well, let's look at what food permits you need to build a coffee roasting room. I need to probably sell this not in a Ziploc bag. So let's find a bag. What kind of bag? It needs to be a valved bag. Well, what color of the bag? What's the label? What are we going to call this? And that's just, it, it's been so incredibly awesome. So that's kind of the, the backstory that kind of helped at least project the energy and focus into one particular area that became Railway Roasters. It's following your passion, isn't it, Matthew? And and I I can truly identify with that because when you discover it, and you had your aha moment when you tried that coffee in Calgary and realized that there is more to it than just a cup of coffee. And, and that's something that I try to talk about, that it's more than just that cup of coffee. It's, you know, who made it? Where did it come from? You know, and the and you mentioned intent and purpose. And those are two important aspects of anything that you do in life. But the fact that you really focused on wanting to do more with coffee. And, you know, you mentioned free time. You know, what is that free time? You know, what do I do with it? I think I'll decide to become my own coffee roaster and create my own company. And I love hearing that story of how you evolved into what you're doing today. And the fact that, you know, your family and friends have been behind that. I know that your mom, <laughs> you know, posts, you know, anytime I post about you on, on my Instagram, she's always liking it and, and, uh, you know, obviously very supportive of what you're doing, which I think is, is amazing, but you're, you can't do it alone. You know, like you've got Kyle now as your, as, as someone who's doing the, the majority of your roasting, but then you're doing the delivery and the fact that you're connecting and, and I'm all about connection as well. And you're connecting with your subscribers, with your customers, and they're more than just customers. They are becoming friends, family, and you, you're just building your, your coffee empire. If I, if I want to call it that, <laughs> and you have your, your fans out there who really love your coffee. And, you know, I, I've tried your coffee and I absolutely love it. And I want to talk about one of your coffees, which is kind of cool because I, again, getting back to my intro of the names of coffees and your caboose. All right. So we, we know what the caboose is, or for those that don't know, it's the, it's the, it's the last part of a train, you know? And, and so why did you pick caboose and, and maybe what is a caboose? Like, why do you know why somebody called it a caboose? I don't know the, the rail lingo history as much as I should. One of my coffee customers, do I have it? 
I think it's in a box downstairs. So my, my dad was a CN guy. So were both of my grandpas, my uncles, my godfather, they were all, they all worked for the railway and CN had done this beautifully like bound red kind of hundred year history book. And one of my customers gave it to me. So I would love to maybe part two of our chat, come back with some caboose history because I don't have that answer. And I hate saying, I don't know, but what I do appreciate is I don't have the answer today, but I will get that answer for you. The, the names of the coffees, I think we've been to coffee shops before where you look at the board, you know, that, you know, that moment where you're kind of like looking up at all the numbers and all the different flavors and coffees. And, and there's a thousand of them at some cafes, so many skews. And you think to yourself, well, where do I start? Right. So for us, I wanted to simplify it. The more manageable and the realistic answer too is that we're a micro roaster. We roast on a machine of Mill Cities. If people wanted to Google it, it's cool. Uh, it's called the Mill City One One KG. So it does has the capacity of two point two, roughly two point two uh, pounds worth of coffee per batch. So when you think about that, it doesn't really net out that much coffee every single batch and you can run maybe three or four batches in an hour so that side of it is you have to kind of balance bringing in green coffee inventory to then creating a roasted product so the more green coffee you have you got to store it it's all based off weight and you can imagine how big and easily maneuverable a 132 pound bag of coffee is they're not like a Marie Kondo minimalist accessory in any in any particular warehouse there's they stick out like a sore thumb they're they're big beautiful objects but they're but they're little mini craters right so to bring in something more or less just in time ready to roast is more realistic for us in being able to manage everything so the idea was we were going to bring in coffees as we needed them so I'm going to work with different coffee importers. And I have a number of importers that we work with. And rather than bringing in enough coffees to then establish like what's a railway roaster original and call it, you know, the X blend. I didn't want to do that either because of the size of our shop needing to curate one particular blend. You're likely going to have to inventory that the majority of that staple ingredient for the whole year and i'm still a nerd at this too and i i still love coffee and i'm passionate about it so my approach to it was well how about we create three coffee categories we can come up with the names after but the the idea that i had was the three coffee categories are going to create flavor profiles of which we can interchange with different beans as they come available throughout the year so if I have an opportunity to work with a coffee importer or with another roaster in the city where I'm able to make a deal and buy some coffee off them, does it fit into one of those flavor profiles? Yes. Well, then we can roast it with intention, hoping to get the true essence of what that bean is at that particular time. So rather than saying, Jenny, we've made a Snickers bar 
with the Snickers ingredients and you're going to enjoy this. Well, next month, if I can't get peanuts, well, that thing's not a Snicker bar anymore. And then you're going to go, well, where are those freaking peanuts? So I'm already, I'm already setting myself up for success or failure. Sorry. Um, especially when we go through a time like lockdown, you can't get certain ingredients, you know, Oh man, what an, what a, what a loss given someone like this over promise and under deliver under delivery. So the idea with the three blends, we have locomotive, which in and of itself, you know, the steam engine, that's kind of the logo on the website. It's your classic vintage coffee. So that is the most approachable coffee air quotes for those who can't see. Um, my hand gestures, the, the most coffee version of coffee. So the nuts, cocoa, chocolates, gram, it, it's meant to mirror the least invasive introduction into the coffee world, into the specialty coffee world. Then we have caboose, which, you know, it does get brought up a lot, um, is the, the coffee that has a little bit more sweetness to it, but it doesn't have much acidity. But it does, you know, mirror more fruit flavors. And then the last, and then, sorry, with Caboose as well, it was, well, you know what, this one, it was going to be a unique coffee of some sort. It was going to make people, you know, think about what's in their cup. And because I don't believe, I'm not sure what year, and this is part of like my Caboose history that I'm going to come back to you on. I don't know what year they actually discontinued Caboose's but you, they're not on trains anymore. And, you know, for that alone, it's like we've been driving and you can tell when you, you, someone passes you with a Porsche or with a Mini Cooper or with a Volkswagen Beetle, like that thing just stands out. And to me, that was a caboose when you see one, cause you're like, what is that? And that was the intention I wanted behind drinking that type of cup of coffee too. And then the third category is monorail. So, you know, Simpsons certainly made the monorail name uh, very famous, um, but there it's futuristic, it's sleek, it's it's modernized, and that was something to really showcase what coffee can do. So that has the more fruit flavor, more flowery notes, the higher acidity. That's where we can, you know, as coffee nerds, really get creative with exploring something that's unique to the coffee world. So within those three, that's kind of where we've decided to at least present each category and then fill coffees as they come available that meet each of those flavor notes. So once people become familiarized with railway, they understand what we're able to do and roast and present as to what you're about to experience knowing that they can trust us to make that same recommendation next month when we may have a different country of origin in our inventory to then showcase that month. Hi, it's Jenny. We'll get back to the show in a moment. But first, I invite you to check out my website, coffeewithjennyb.ca. That's Jenny with a G, where you'll find all the links to my episodes. You'll also find a variety of coffee gifts available for purchase, including my branded bag of Red Door Coffee Beans from Harrison's Coffee Company. 
As well, you'll find a link to join the Winnipeg Coffee Community Facebook group. I'll also be posting info about upcoming coffee tours and coffee nights. So keep checking my website for updates. You can also follow me on Instagram at Coffee with Jenny B. Now, let's get back to the show. I love the description of the three main profiles. And I like that there's intention in terms of what you want to offer. But when you bring in different beans, you know, so you talk about bringing different beans from different countries. How do you then make sure that it still fits that particular profile? So if you're bringing in something from, let's say, you're bringing something in from uh, Rwanda, for instance, and you want to fit it into, say, monorail, what do you do then to make sure that it still fits that profile? So that question has a couple of layers to it, okay? When we do the sampling, we more so sample a bunch of coffees and then figure out what profile it's best suited to. And for the most part, it's been more challenging to find the caboose and the monorail flavor profiles. But it's never, how do we take this coffee and roast it a certain way to have it fit a certain profile? We want the flavor itself of that bean to stand out in whatever profile it is. So we're constantly just sampling stuff that ends up not making the cut for a particular profile that we want. One of my customers, her name is Sari, and she's so sweet. They've been a great supporter of ours. But she comes to mind every single time when we change a bean because she goes, I like the last one more. (laughs) And, you know, every and then when I do that, I'm like, damn it. Right. Because you are changing something on someone. And to them, that's what the locomotive should have always been. And to that, it's unfortunate. They, she does still continue to support. So sorry, thank you for your continued support and love. But it doesn't go unnoticed when you do make a, a categorized change to your flavor because you're going to maybe have some natural attrition that, you know, someone did look for that one particular coffee. But I think the idea is that, you know, and how I choose to view it is, you know, these these supporters of ours are going to find a coffee that they like based off how we've roasted it and trusting us to bring in the freshest, the most uh, delicious coffee to showcase is what they're truly supporting rather than, you know, the coffee that tastes like almonds because they love almond coffee. Right. And that would be also kind of my challenge to other people looking to try different cafes, different coffees for the first time, because I do hear this, you know, when I'm around the the proverbial bonfire, when I'm just kind of taking in a slower evening and get to hear conversations kind of taking place. You hear that, well, I went to X cafe and, you know, I didn't have the, like, I didn't, I didn't love that coffee. And I've, I've been to different cafes and had similar experiences but i've also been back to that cafe like a dozen times right and i think so many times that you know you actually hear bigger brands getting so much 
long-term trust that you could probably get a hair in your burger at some local burger, like of some fast food burger joint. And you would say, you know what, that's just a one-off. They're not going to do that next time. Or my, my ex um, side dish was cold. I'm still going to go back. But you go to this one local spot that someone's trying and, you know, maybe they, you know, didn't give you something that you were fully expecting. And then you write that place off forever. And you're now, never going back. That place is garbage, you know. And my, my challenge to people listening is, you know, there are so many variables that come into play with experiencing coffee. Hell, if I leave the house rushed and I threw down the mouthwash after brushing my teeth, and then I'm going to go try something. I'm not in the right state of mind biologically to consume anything that's going to, you know, identify the proper taste category because my taste buds are all wonky, right? So there, that one's on me. But then you go one step further. Well, you know, depending on how fresh the coffee was, that may or may not be a case. But, you know, that barista's morning, depending on what's going on in their personal life, they may have not smiled at you when you first walked in the door or whatever. And there's so many variables that go into coffee. So to say that a coffee that you picked out with an importer who worked with a farmer and a producer to bring this bean all the way from Brazil, traveled by boat, then it got to port, then it hopped by train or truck, then it came to Winnipeg, we roasted it. Then, you know, little Matthew at Railway Roasters delivers it by car and by bicycle or i've done a couple by motorcycle and then you brew it and you could have brewed it incorrectly or used expired milk or put too much cream or sugar in or didn't weigh it out and then to say well eh, it's not really for me it's it's having the the long-term vision to say you know what i'm going to keep going through this whole bag and experiment to see if there's a way that I can take a little bit more out of it rather than just saying, ah, I'm not into this kind of fancy coffee. Because there has been times where, you know, I'm going to work, I just need a little extra zip. So I'll stop by a, a shop and get a black coffee and espresso to go. That's kind of my, my go-to. And there's been amazing shots and there's been terrible shots. But I'll still go back because who knows, maybe the machine wasn't on long enough to really warm up. No problem. I'll see you next time or the grinder wasn't calibrated, or it's a new grinder, or it's a used grinder that, you know, is a Kijiji deal, and they're still trying to figure it out. You know, so there's so many variables that I think the the long-term support side of it, you know, to, to kind of start your question with a long, long-winded answer, is that, you know, change is okay, even within something that you've created, and stamped once to say, this is what I'm proud to send out, that there's enough variables that I would welcome people to have fun in the exploration of this new thing that we call the coffee experience. Well, thank you for your long-winded answer to my question, because it really emphasizes that journey from farm to cup. Because again, it's not just that cup of coffee. It's what went into getting you that coffee. And I love that you emphasized not writing something off just because it wasn't good the first time. I mean, I've done that. I've gone to coffee shops and I'll say, you know, I'll 
I'll have whatever. If there's a dark roast option, I will always take that. But more often than not, it's it's a medium roast, which I think most roasters try to concentrate more on. And I'm generalizing here because, I mean, I'm not a roaster, so I'm just basing it on what I've heard from different roasters. But I'll still try it. And sometimes if I'm not aware of what that coffee is, I'll ask for a sample. Can you give me a sample so I can try it? And one thing that I want to really emphasize to my listeners is that when you want to try coffee for the first time, you want to experience it, always try it black without any milk, cream, sugar additives, because you want to really taste that coffee. Now, I know you were talking about the profiles, and I know that on bags of coffee, you can see the tasting notes. This has tasting notes of almonds and you know, chocolate and whatever. I mean, there's no almonds or chocolate in there, but when you try it, you're picking up those different flavors. And what's interesting is that I think it was either Al or Jay who said to me that, I think actually it was Al, because when I did an interview with him, he was talking about the tastings and I could try something and it tastes like, you know, this and this and this, and then you're going to taste the same and you're going to get different taste, I guess, depending on, you were talking about, you know, if I'm going to have coffee after having mouthwash, or if I have a piece of orange, it's going to change how that tastes. But also too, I might love that coffee. And you're like, you know, I just didn't like it at all because for whatever reason, you just didn't like it. And so it's a personal preference. And I really do want to encourage people, if you're trying a, a new coffee shop, ask for a sample. They will give that to you. Try it. If you like it, then you can buy that cup of coffee. But if you try it and you're not really crazy about it, that's okay because they might have another coffee or they might say, well, why don't you try a latte, you know, or an espresso drink instead of the coffee. So there's options whenever you go to a coffee shop, there's always options for you to try something new and don't be afraid to try it and ask them. So what is your favorite coffee? Ask some questions about the coffee itself because the barista who's working at that coffee shop, if they're not able to tell you, they will get someone who can give that. But more often than not, they are knowledgeable as well about the coffee because they have to try it. They have to be able to talk about it and encourage you to try it. You're saying something that, again, my fiance Sarah is going to absolutely smile at because whenever I introduce my coffee to people for the first time, She's like, well, you should make cream and sugar available. And I'm like, never, you know, I want them, if they want cream and sugar, I want them jumping through hoops, you know, walking the long dusty trail to go find that cream and sugar because, you know, you work so hard to roast something with intention that, you know, shouldn't need that extra stuff. So at like a fine dish for you to present, you know, me with a nice lunch and then I sit down and just lather barbecue sauce and salt and pepper all over it before even trying it you're like because i always i always put barbecue sauce on my salad oh okay well these are all like fresh gardens vegetables from my garden like these are amazing you're like yeah yeah, yeah. but two barbecue sauces and ketchup please and you know because it's such a routine to do it that way you're like just try it first and then add what you see to think that it needs. One of the coolest coffee 
let's call it things that I that I've read and and really got aligned to was this coffee triangle of flavor. On each point of the triangle, it's sweet, salty, and bitterness. And the idea is if you want a balanced cup of coffee, you kind of want that arrow going in the middle of that triangle. So when you think of most production roasters, like the really like the big, big, big houses, you're doing thousand pound batches, right? That's a lot of coffee. So you're looking at probably controlling your cost a little bit more with getting commodity type graded beans. You're roasting it maybe a little bit darker or you're roasting it a little bit heavier than you would your lighter or more specialty coffees. And when you do that, there's a tendency of whenever you go roast, like whenever you have a lower quality scored bean or you roast it longer, you're always going to find that it's going to err more on the bitterness side. So to take something that's really bitter, it's like, how do you take that into the middle of that triangle of, of sweetness and of acidity is you, you add milk and sugar to it like that itself. when you start to think about where the, the flavors on that triangle are and you try and bring that arrow to the middle that point from really bitter over to the balance, you're going to have to add different elements to balance it out. So the cream and sugar isn't just like a taste preference. It was something to actually counteract the bitterness of the coffee. And when I'm sampling stuff with Kyle forever, it's, you know, we want to aim right in the middle, right when it's black, right? For you to enjoy that balanced cup of coffee, that's enjoyable straight up. And then if you want to add your two pumps of whatever goop, <laughs> you can. But the idea is, is that we hopefully try to get it as accurately in that middle first off. And that makes sense because you want that balanced cup of coffee. One of the coffees that I really do not enjoy from Starbucks, because I was a barista for four years and you, you try all the different coffees, but the one that I never liked was from Sumatra. And to me, it just tasted like dirt. It was just like, ugh, this is awful. And the first time I visited Colosimo's, and Jay has his, his Cafe Dante, you know, which is, you know, from really Sumatra. Yeah. Really dark roast. And I'm like, oh, you know what? I don't like Sumatra. And he's like, no, try it. And I tried it. And it was like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. How is it possible that it doesn't taste like dirt? It was smooth. It was dark, absolutely really dark. And I love that, but it was smooth and it, and you know, it had a little bit of that, that bitterness, but nothing crazy. And in fact, it, it enhanced what was there. And so that is one of my favorite coffees from him. And so then whenever I go to a coffee shop and they are offering Sumatra, I will try a sip of it. And, and again, I don't know whether it's just that the beans have been sitting for a long time or that they roasted a different way. I, I honestly, I, I don't know. But again, it gets back to what you were saying about getting coffee from a local coffee shop that gets coffees from local roasters who then go through the whole process of making sure that you are getting the best 
most delicious, freshest coffee possible for your coffee enjoyment. And coffee isn't cheap. You know, you're you're depending on what coffee shop you're going to, you could spend anywhere from three to four to five to six dollars for a cup of coffee. And if you're paying that kind of money, you really want that good cup of coffee. And so, you know, I encourage everyone, you know, you can still like your McDonald's and Starbucks and Timmy's, but try a local coffee shop, go out on a limb and experience the world of coffee because you might be so surprised at what's out there. On the Starbucks note, I think sometimes within the specialty coffee world, that's the S word, you know, Starbucks or even Tim Hortons for that, that standpoint. Like I, I love those two companies so much because they did the lifting of convincing the world to care about coffee before nobody cared, nobody cared, you know, and they made it cool to drink coffee. They made it a hangout to talk business, to catch up with relatives, to host visits from out of town guests, to network, you know, with people you don't know. And, you know, for that, I freaking love those two establishments. And, you know, the quality of the coffee, you know, they they still make one hell of a product, right? And it's not not to say that all of it is poor taste by no means. I've tried some of their reserve blends and been to some of their reserve cafes. And when you have a global company that's really put all time and energy and attention and investment behind a particular experience, you could walk out saying, holy shit, what was that? Because that just blew my socks off. The only thing I'll say to that versus the the cafe shop is, is no different than hosting a party at your house, right? You think that because you're inviting 30 people, 30 of your best friends and family over, you just can't have the level of authentic catch-up communication with 30 people that you can when it's just a couple, you're doing a double date for dinner around your table and it's and it's one-on-one, right? You can't have that level of, of connection. And I think that when you're trying to replicate that in coffee, we're, we're roasting 1.76 pounds at railway per batch at a time. So batch to batch, I can speak confidently that you're going to get some of the most care for labor induced loving coffee that you've ever had because it's 1.76 pounds per batch that was roasted by Kyle and I. So on your, on your freshness little bit, all of our coffee is actually stay, it stays green until we receive an order. And everything is roasted to order. So there is still maybe about 10% of what we roast week to week. We do air uh, as a air on the side of extra in case I get last minute, last minute texts before long weekends or people coming in from out of town, just Googling us saying, Hey, I'm, I'm outside your house. Can I grab some coffee? You know, because so many times that has happened that We've now just aired on, you know, roasting maybe four or five or eight pounds extra per week. But that's not really something that we didn't want to roast 30 pounds every week religiously. And then the extra bags we try and sell and put it on this shelf or that shelf, because that's not the intention. It was to showcase what roasted with intention, small batch, fresh coffee that when you look on the bag and it's 
Well, let me just confirm the date on Tuesday because, you know, for me to have delivered bags on Wednesday of this week, and this says August 22nd, it's August 22nd, <laughs> right? <laughs> and and that, that part's cool. There, there have been a, a handful of times, and it's very, very, very rare that someone will order coffee on a particular day and just maybe depending on where I'm driving that afternoon, they'll get it the same day. You know, and the bag is still warm. You know, I think that's cool. So for those who have never heard of Railway Roasters, I welcome and invite you to experience what we have worked so hard to curate for an experience for you. And whether it's to fuel a brunch, your work day, a 11 p.m. pot because you need to work on that pitch deck for the morning or, you know, you need that four shots of espresso to pick you up in the morning before you go about your workday. Um, we want to be that fueled partner of yours. And for those that have supported us since day one in 2020, I love you. Thank you for your support. And we just are going to be trying to develop ourselves and kind of reinvent ourselves month to month to try and give you the best freaking product possible that we can. And that's a promise that is gold because you stand behind your product and you're constantly evolving. And I love that you want to be better at what you're doing. It's always improving. And I mean, when you already have a great product, it's exciting to see the evolvement of where you're going next. And I can't wait to try your coffees as you go along because I haven't actually tried locomotive or monorail yet. I've, I've been having the caboose and I think it's because of, you were saying the, the lower acidity. I find that the higher acidity coffees tend to bother me a little bit, but that's not to say that I won't try it. So that's, those are next on my list to try. And so thank you so much, Matthew, for coming on and sharing some wonderful stories and really sharing more about the journey of, of coffee and your particular journey of getting to where you are and following your passion. And even though you have a full-time job, and I, I know a lot of roasters in Manitoba also have a full-time job and families, but because they are so passionate about coffee and so passionate about offering it to the world, that they are willing to go that extra mile, go that extra step and really honor that passion and follow it. So I just want to say thank you for, first of all, following your passion and sharing your coffee with the world. Thank you. And, you know, with that uh, in mind too, because the way the flavor profiles are as well, the goal one day will be for those three coffees to have a mirrored caffeinated and decaffeinated experience. We do offer the, the locomotive in both caffeine and decaf, and our decaf is our darkest roast. So even though you're not uh, a dark roast fan, for our dark roast customers, thinking about decaf, that person isn't drinking decaf for any other reason but the taste. When you think about the drug side of coffee, like there is no, no pick-me-up that you get with decaf. 
So the only thing they're drinking it for is the taste. So we took that under careful consideration. It took us a long time to have a decaf. We didn't have one when we first launched, but we brought on one that can, you know, enjoy itself and kind of be a self standout. So I would welcome you to try some of the decaf. And then we've also created, uh, this was actually a partnership with uh, another music, local music production company here in Winnipeg called Misfit Music Management. So they also help manage different bands and, and artists here locally. That we've actually done a Misfit Railway Roasters collaboration coffee where it's a half cap. So we, you know, invited them over and sampled coffees all night and came up with a winning blend that we thought, you know, mimicked a taste profile that they were comfortable signing off on. So, you know, aside from our coffees as well, we also still have on our website, uh, the misfit half calf blend. And, you know, for them, it was, you know, for their artists to be able to drink as much coffee as they want to out of routine, but not feel like they're vibrating and can't play their instruments anymore. So Elise and her team have been great supporters of ours and, you know, certainly shared this with their artists and their team and wanted to also, you know, tie that last part into before we take off today. I'll have to try the, the misfit coffee, the half half yeah. and, and see how I like the, the decaf part of it. I mean, you might make me a convert. I know a few people, a few roasters have said, no, you try my decaf. It's really good. And it's like, oh, I don't know. So maybe I'm missing out by not experimenting myself. So maybe I'll have to do that. Well, thanks, Jenny. Any opportunity that we can have to, to talk about coffee, thanks for allowing us a platform to share it with with friends and family. And uh, from from one Toastmaster to another, thank you for, for having us on. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you so much, Matthew. It's been a pleasure. And and uh, I'm, I'm always learning something new and and I've learned a lot from you today. So thanks again. Look forward to the next chat. Thanks, Jenny. So until next time, if you haven't tried Railway Roasters, I highly recommend you do so. And you can try any one of the three and pick the one that speaks to you, the one that you really like. And if you are wanting to try some of Matthew's coffees, consider attending the Manitoba Food Fest. That's on Sunday, September 17th at the St. Norbert Arts Center. Tickets are only $25, and there are over 45 vendors that offer everything from drinks to snacks to whatever, and it's an experience, and you can also buy product when you're there. This is an opportunity for you to try some coffee that Matthew will be sampling. You can visit Manitoba Food Fest or you can go on to Railway Roaster's website and buy some coffee. And you know that you are going to be getting the most freshest, delicious coffee available. Thanks so much for listening. If you like Coffee with Jenny B and want to know more, connect with Jenny on Instagram at Coffee with Jenny B. That's Jenny with a G. Until then, all you need is joy and more coffee. said that the more time you have to invest, the greater the return. Well, guess what? Kids have the most time if we learn to invest early. 
That's why I created the Cash Kid Podcast, where I teach kids and some adults financial skills they need to know on how to earn, save, and invest their money. Join me on this journey as we interview experts and explore topics that allow you to grow your money as kids. This podcast will help you become the money expert among your family and friends. Just remember, anyone can be a cash kid. You just have to learn how to become one. Get ready to grow your financial knowledge and your wallet with the Cash Kid Podcast.